0: This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.church forward slash south. You are moving your neck really weird when you did that. I did. I was trying to provoke a response in you. I was hoping you'd say something. I just closed my eyes. Afterwards. <laughs> uh, do you listen to podcasts, Nick? Like, you know, generally. Not really. Not really. Not Ethan, generally. do you listen to podcasts all the time?
1: Not all the time, but I mostly listen to music. But. Okay. Yes, me too.
0: Okay. I listen to a lot of music. On the commutes, I, uh, I definitely listen to some podcasts for sure. I thought a random question would be generated out of that. and I don't know. What's a favorite podcast, Ethan?
1: Um, I listen to a couple of tech podcasts just to keep up on what's going around. And I also love history podcasts. So, um, hardcore history Dan with Carlin. Dan Carlin. Yep. That's a great one. Yeah. I like um, that one too. That's like a three and a half, four
0: hour long podcasts and like, mm. you know, four hours each seven episodes on world war one. So not a, not a small
1: endeavor. Yeah. Oh. There's another one called revolutions. Um, it's a guy that started by creating a podcast on the history of Rome It's like 35 hours worth of content in half an hour segments, and he marches through each emperor and focuses on the political climate, et cetera, of each of them. Um, And he morphed that podcast into talking about just revolutions throughout history. So he does the British one, the American one, the French one. Like he's done 10 of them at this point. Wow. They're pretty extensive and fantastic if you like history.
0: I do. That Don't often have that much neat. time in the car, but times they are a changing. So Nick, mm. we're here to have a very friendly, very interesting, I hope I think uh, it's
2: interesting. Podcast yeah. about
0: different visions of corporate worship mm-hmm. as articulated in what we would call the regulative and the normative principles. Yes, the regulative and Normative principles. It's funny that you had me say the word normative, Daniel. I know. I didn't want to say that word out loud this entire <laughs> podcast. In fact, maybe we should score points based upon who can get the other person to say the view that they most disagree with. It's not really a disagree kind of thing. It's more like, there's a spectrum. mm mm-hmm. Here we are on it in various spots. So, but you're the worship leader. Yeah. So, uh, what? Why are we even having this conversation? Where does this conversation come from? Historically, biblically. Yeah. Like, like
2: contextualized. So, us? this it comes about because um, obviously corporate worship is a big deal, and it's been a big deal throughout the history of the church, and um, it, it was particularly pushed to the forefront in the Reformation, where we have the Catholic Church, who is— The Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church, not the Catholic, you know, you know. i I'm always, as a former Roman Catholic, I'm always careful to say that. The Roman Catholic Church, not the uh, gathering of all believers throughout time and space. Good job. Thanks for that. Keep going. Great. So the Roman Catholic Church is just a mess. Um, They've— abandoned, you know, not only, you know, justification by grace through faith alone, but also there's all sorts of abuses that are going on. Um, it's a corrupt institution, and um, there's all sorts of things in the liturgy um, that are problematic. And so um, the question started to be asking, what, what should happen in corporate worship? You know, what should we do? What shouldn't we do? And that's where these two principles kind of became highlighted. I don't know if that's actually where they started at the Reformation, but I think they can be highlighted in the figures of John Calvin and Martin Luther.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you get people that articulate as far back as probably Pius VI, who's a Pope coming out of, uh, uh, I don't remember how far, but I think I want to say seventh century. I could be totally off, but articulating different kinds and different views on what corporate worship should look like and the validity of mm-hmm. using different kinds of things right. that fall outside of what we might directly see like practiced in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Things like artwork, stained glass, mm-hmm. uh, stations of the cross, other things like that that then uh, you know the, the worshiper can connect with in different ways. So mm-hmm. nobody back then in Latin or whatever was saying regulative versus normative mm-hmm. or things like that. But by the time you get to the Reformation, yep, you definitely have some of these key figures who are articulating things mm-hmm. that later became known as these two principles, right? Exactly. So, who would be a couple of the chief proponents? Maybe that you know people would be familiar familiar with, yeah. surrounding these kinds of these things that later became known as yep. these principles.
2: So, I think the two that we could we could just kind of see a bit of a divergent a divergence is between John Calvin and Martin Luther. So John Calvin, uh, they both both of them were reformers who were reacting to Rome, right? Yep, yep. They were reacting to um, the abuses that they saw in the Catholic Church, and Calvin um, started teaching that if it was not explicitly commanded in Scripture, um, then it should be forbidden in worship, right? Which what I would say has been the generally accepted definition of the regulative principle in history would you agree with that yeah generally accepted like if we do not see explicit
0: i would say warrant yeah would be the correct sure. mm-hmm. would be the right way of saying it mm-hmm. that therefore we should uh, in in some uh, less extreme versions of the regulative just mm-hmm. say cautious right and in the more extreme versions say forbid mhm um, Then you know different things in relationship to worship, which we can talk about some examples yep. here in a second. Yep, yep, yep. But before Calvin, you know, several decades before Calvin, you have this other guy Martin Luther, mm-hmm. and he's probably more in the stream of the
2: Reformation.
0: Re- <laughs> but the other word that we're talking oh, about normative, is normative, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But what Point the reason I me. yeah oh, the
2: reason I said that is because Cal or uh, Luther never wanted to split from Rome. Not originally. Not originally. No, he yeah. wanted he wanted to reform. And so his reaction was, well, I'm seeing some things here that are problematic, but I think that they can be reformed and um, still practiced in a legitimate way. Right. So he um, k- kind of came to embody the normative principle, which is if it's not forbidden in Scripture, then it's allowed yeah, in corporate that we worship. we are free mm-hmm. to practice right. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 And these kind of got worked out between the two in different ways. Calvin was very extreme in his application of what became known as the regular principle. Um, he, in his prescription for corporate worship, no instrumental music whatsoever, right. Only vocal singing. And that was it. Uh, in addition to, you know, no icons and, um, all of these, no visual representations of anything in worship. It's just, you know, worshiping it with the human voice. Um, and he actually, it's funny. He, uh, Um, kind of, uh, what's the word, supported that view because you see like in the Psalms, like worship the Lord with the tambourine and the lyre and the harp and loud cymbals, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he saw those commands as part of the shadow of the old covenant of, um, you know, this was pre-Christ, and Mm -hmm. then the new covenant came and it was perfected in Christ, so those things were then no longer necessary, Right. And then the examples that you see in the New Testament Mm -hmm. do not
0: include anything surrounding, for instance, instrumentation. Right. You know, there are things in Colossians and in Ephesians about singing. Mm -hmm. And therefore, Calvin, as I remember, it's been a hot minute since I've read the Institutes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, articulated it in the direction of like, well, here we see a progression from one to the other. And the progression is actually
2: towards something that's more simple. Right. Mm -hmm. um, In a lot of ways. Whereas Luther not wanting to totally abolish um, everything that was in the mass, but to reform. He was more sympathetic to keeping a lot of the instruments and in the the elements of the mass and to reform them. And it, you see this in his music all the time. So he, I mean, he would even, you know, some of his hymns were just like old bar tunes <laughs> that he would take and repurpose. And uh, he loved instrumental music. And he, you know, he even said somewhere, I can't remember where, but that one of the requirements of being a pastor was to be able to play play an instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Well <laughs> I'm gone,
0: guys. <laughs> see ya.
2: Um so you kind of see the beginnings of these two two principles uh, in those two yeah, yeah. reformers.
0: And then as, you know, centuries and uh, you know, since the Reformation progressed, certainly there has developed a spectrum. So if you were to say like extreme ends of spectrum, maybe a regulative, you know, very extreme end, and what would be uh, yep. maybe an expression of this would be like certain Orthodox or Reformed Presbyterian denominations and circles that would explicitly say you should only sing the
2: Psalms. Yep, Psalms singing. And you should
0: only do so with your voice, no right. instrumentation. Mm-hmm. That would be... An extreme end on a regulative spectrum. What about on the opposite side, on the normative? What would be an extreme example?
2: Yeah, so on the normative side, if if it's not forbidden, then it's allowable in corporate worship. So then that just opens the floodgates for, you know, let's do drama and art, and let's have someone on stage doing a painting and, um, you know, lots of images and visual things going on. you know, and in addition to just instrumental, you know, music and things like that. So you get all sorts of things that are nowhere seen as part of biblical worship right, <laughs> right. in the Bible that are just incorporated because, well, why not, you know? Right. Yeah. So some of the way that then the middle of the spectrum between
0: those two extremes, you know, whether if you were to view them as on your left, you have normative, and on your right, mm-hmm. you have regulative, which probably means regulative is Right right, Nick no okay well so so normative mm-hmm. is uh, you know on your left and then regulative on your right mm-hmm. and as they move towards each other across this spectrum it becomes kind of blurred in the middle yep and the way that that's been worked out is in th- thinking about three different things the elements the forms and the circumstances mm-hmm. of worship so um, what what would be the elements of what so that's the top Top level. What would be elements of worship?
2: So, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Sometimes I get these terms mixed up in my head, but I think that I never do. The, <laughs> the elements, <laughs> the elements are um, like biblical definition of worship. Sure. Right?
0: Well, not just definition of worship, but like the the actual things top tier. So we preach, yeah, exactly. is an element of right. worship. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, pray We pray as an element of worship. Mm-hmm. Also, what you would say is things you already mentioned, like something like a uh, uh, painting or a, an acted drama mm-hmm. would also be elements of worship. Mm-hmm. And on the regulative side, you would say, if you're holding to the regulative principle at this level mm-hmm. of elements, you're saying, not only should we be cautious, we should be forbidding those kinds of things mm-hmm. at that level. Whereas yeah. on the normative side, in different parts there, there'd mm-hmm. be more freedom yep. for that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. right. So then when you get down to forms and circumstances, that's a little bit more of the, the how. Yeah, exactly. You know, the how
2: you go about doing that. Right. So if you're going to do instrumental worship, you know, is it you know, what's the instrumentation? Is it classical? Is it contemporary, fine, and folk? You know, we talk about those things in Bethlehem. Yeah. So that
0: would be more to the forms. And then as you get down to the circumstances, that's just the very, like, the more detailed, you know, levels. So uh, there's a way to talk about the regulative principle as applying more directly
2: Mm -hmm.
0: to something like the elements. We are restricted to doing the things that we only really see examples of mm-hmm. in the Bible, whether and some people would stretch that back to the Old Testament and make, you know, an argumentation for like, of course, instrumentation's mm-hmm. fine. And others would say that, okay, instrumentation and maybe singing aren't necessarily like so closely connected. We can regulate instrumentation, for instance, mm-hmm. to like something more like a form or a circumstance of how we go about pursuing this. Therefore, okay, we must preach God's word mm-hmm. we must sing we must pray but then the how of how we go about that do you write out your prayers do you just pray freely in the mm-hmm. moment do you sing with a you know with a drum set on stage or not do you preach with slides you know mm-hmm. behind you right. or not those are regulated to those lower tiers and therefore you know, somebody that might hold broadly to the regulative principle, like I do, Mm -hmm. you know, for the elements, would then say, no, there's more freedom here. Contra somebody like a Calvin, or perhaps, you know, some of those extreme examples, Mm -hmm. extreme, uh, you know, examples of psalm, psalmody, you know, only, no singing, or no uh, Mm -hmm. instrumentation only, you know, where they would say all three of those levels are regulated. Right.
2: Yeah. Yep. So how does a, like, in a, Mark Dever is like Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. He kind of talks about this a little bit. How does he define the regulative principle? Because you've you've said this to me before. Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, just that the—I I, I don't remember off the top of my head how he does in that
0: particular book, but I've listened enough to Mark and other Reformed Baptists talk about this, and I myself would count on the same stream, just mm-hmm. that the Bible regulates— what we do it authorizes us mm-hmm. to do particular things, especially when the church is gathered together mm-hmm. and where it doesn't authorize us to do particular things or regulate that yeah, yeah. we need to be more cautious or indeed uh, I'd say especially about the elements of worship just say no. I thought that I, that's I, yeah that's wrapped up in like thinking about the first and the second commandment like don't make for yourself a graven image mm-hmm. um, you know you should worship the Lord your God only. So things like like uh I run in reformed baptist circles where like any depictions of Jesus in art or other things like that um you know certainly restricted within the worship service the worship service right but then for some of my friends like no not anywhere mm-hmm. don't watch the chosen you know don't have uh, children's books in your home sure. that depict Jesus in certain ways i have friends that um not because they're necessarily mandating that for all Christians everywhere, mm-hmm. but they and their conscience feel like I ought not be doing this mm-hmm. um, in that regard. So,
2: what were you going to say in response? Yeah, I, was, you I thought. thought, that thought it, well, I thought I've heard him sum it up is this: the reg, regulative principle is basically read the word, sing the word, pray the word. Oh yeah, Something that's like actually.
0: That. I want to say that's that's either a um, an RC Sproul or perhaps a Brian uh, Chapel oh, okay. thing. Right. That okay. that what do we do when we mean the regulative principle? Like we. Everything is centered around the word. The word is the norm by which everything else goes around. And then you can measure Mm -hmm. your faithfulness to what you're supposed to be doing in as much as your elements actually reflect the word. Sure. So if you're preaching something mm -hmm. that's just contrary to the word, like you're off, you're off, you might be doing the right element, you know, oh, you're preaching, but it's not really that. Or if you're singing stuff that's contrary biblical theology, like, Mm -hmm. like very, you know, man centric theology. Yep. You're off base about that. So everything that we do relates to the word. And if the more we depart from the word, the more dangerous it is.
2: Yep. And if that's what we mean by the regulative principle, then I'm all on board for that. Great. My, my hesitation is that the regulative principle means so many different things to so many different people that I don't think it's a very helpful... Just this whole conversation that we're having is regulative versus normative. Yeah. I, d- I just don't think it's like a super helpful paradigm.
0: Great. Do you think the elements in worship should be regulated? Like, yes, I restricted? do. Yes, I okay. do. Okay. So you're an adherent to the regulative principle, Nick.
2: Yeah, but... <laughs> I won! <That's laughs>
0: or wait, that's like, like, I
2: got you! Not. I mean, not quite. <laughs> um, because I do no, think I that there... No, I beat are, you.
0: That was the phrase. Ooh.
2: I think that they should be guided by you. the word <laughs> using biblical <laughs> wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think that there are perhaps certain contexts where something like... Uh, a drama oh, could be yeah, appropriate yeah. and used within the, oh, the church I, life and yeah, body. And, yeah. you know, I completely
0: agree. I would be the one that would say what we do in the gathered assembly on a Sunday morning show sure. so when it comes to the elements mm-hmm. is restricted by scripture. Okay. Like All that, that's, but you know, if you got a Sunday night service, mm-hmm. that's not a, a gathered assembly of the saints, but it's, you know, uh, it's a particular group of people getting together to do a particular thing. Yeah. But and what if
2: it's, what if like the whole church is invited? <laughs>
0: I mean, I would say don't, but that's, that's uh, what you're like. Are you being devil's advocate over here? Well, I, I don't mean? know.
2: I, I don't know if I think that, that would be completely off limits in a so, certain type of service. So for instance, like we're
0: going to do a Christmas Eve service, right? Mm-hmm. That is a very different kind of service than what we do on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, it's, you know, lessons and carols. Yep. Um, and what are we going to do? We're going to recreate you know, almost liturgically yeah. the story of Jesus' birth Mm -hmm. in such a way that we're pointing to different things, right? And there's going to be lighting done a certain way. There might be some artwork in some corners and some other stuff going on there. I feel fine about that. Like, that's great. Now, if you mean like Nick is going to come in on a motorcycle (laughs) on a A tightrope from the top left (laughs) of the balcony, he's going to, you know, in cruciform shape, do a backflip off of that right in front of his keyboard piano where he's going to lead us in worship. And you're going to highlight, you know, something about that that connects to the gospel or not, whatever. Yeah, not in a million years would I do and something then like that. And after, you, after <laughs> that, you're going to play a clip from, you know, I don't know, Oceans 12 or 13 or whichever one has the, you know, the one motorcycle guy and be like, this is just like Jesus. I would say,
2: don't do that. Okay. So, (laughs) what about if you had like a Mary and a Joseph that are doing like some sort of dramatized conversation or something like that?
0: Sunday morning worship
2: in a Christmas Eve service. Uh, I would not feel great about that. No. Okay. All right.
0: Like you were doing that someplace randomly in a gathering of you know Christians. It's an nativity story, and it's at your local you know Christian school or. Drama club or whatever? Absolutely. That's great. Uh, you know, or the church's, uh, whatever you feel about this, the church's building is being utilized for that end. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm guessing
2: that you feel more comfortable. I would feel more comfortable with that yeah. because I don't think that that's, I don't think that we're greatly departing from biblical wisdom and biblical truth when we do something like that.
0: So if, uh, if Joseph and Mary are dressed up and enacting that and they're actually reading the very words of scripture back and forth as they're doing so, that's not super different from what we do on a Christmas Eve service or whatever, when we've got our five or six readers that are all like
2: reading but the even, particular person. Even if it, what if it's like a generalization or dramatization of the very words of scripture, which is not unlike when you, uh, well, it is unlike. It I, is I unlike. I gotta be careful. I but <laughs> when you get up and preach a sermon, you're not just reading the Bible.
0: So what you're doing is you're making a clear (laughs) distinction between your interpretation thereof and the very words of scripture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just the same way that like I will watch the chosen and feel like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to show this in church on Sunday, but I can enjoy it for what it is. Um, and note and be very clear to you know, my kids or whoever that like, all right, this is stepping beyond the bounds of scripture, et cetera, gathering the church together and doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just in my mind a different kind of thing that we're gathering sure. to do. Okay. We gather to sit under God's word, we best adhere as closely as possible as we can to it and be really clear in our distinctions. Sure. That's what I
2: would say. Well, I'm not it's not I'm not planning on doing anything like ah, that. You know. I'm just ah, I'm just talking about the hypotheticals. So <laughs> the hypotheticals of scripture. That's great. Good. Well we want to be biblical in our worship. Amen. I love you, brother.
0: This has been a fun theology back and forth moment brought to you by Daniel and Nick.